The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are going to talk a lot of baseball, and then we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about the Josh Hader trade, questions that you may have, a positive outlook on the Hader trade. We're going to talk about the Matt Bush deal. Um, this is why sometimes taping late helps you out. Uh, that happened uh, this evening, so we'll talk about that. We will also chat a little bit about... Freddie Peralta's return and what that might mean for the Brewers, what the Brewers might do with Freddie Peralta coming back to the Milwaukee Brewers in Pittsburgh. And then we'll do some fun stuff. I forgot to mention something from Boston that I made one of the best bets ever of my life, and I have to share that with you. And then I also want to talk about why I'm seeing so many dudes taking off their tops in Milwaukee. Yes, we're going to talk about that. All right, so before we get started, uh, you guys know we're on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. We are trying to be all over the deadline, uh, at least having instant reactions on social media since we don't do instant reaction podcasts. Uh, maybe something in the future, but I probably got to get paid first, and this has to be my only job. If that was the case, we would already have a Josh Hader pod out, and then we would have done another pod and done a Matt Bush pod because that's it's how we roll. But right now, we don't have that luxury, so you get it all in one. Um, also, make sure that you are rating, reviewing, subscribing. Um, speaking of social media, our Josh Hare TikTok posted really well today. So if you guys are coming in from that, uh, welcome. Um, we're on everything, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you'll get your podcast. Um, and yeah, well, hopefully we keep you here. We'd love to have you. But let's talk about Josh Hader and why I think there are more positives than negatives about this Josh Hader deal. Josh Hader was a guy who I didn't think was going to get dealt. I'll be completely honest with you guys all right your first place baseball team you don't think that you're going to trade the top one of the top players on your team you're not going to trade an all-star that rarely ever happens the last time it happened the Oakland A's traded Johannes Cespedes for John Lester uh, to the Boston Red Sox from the Oakland A's it's the last time that was eight years ago David Stern says they always listen they always pick up the phone AJ Preller who wanted to make a splash wanted to make a big deal might realize that they're not going to get Juan Soto. I don't know. Um, who knows if Juan Soto is going to get moved tomorrow. Um, it would be very baseball if Juan Soto didn't get moved. But I think Prowler wanted to see one go in. So he came through with a package that he thought was significant enough for the Milwaukee Brewers to accept. And they did. Shocking the baseball world. After your boy two hours ago had said, oh, Juan Soto is ruining the deadline. Nothing's happening. Everything's stalling. And the hater move set off a flurry of other moves, including another move the Brewers make, Frankie Montas going to the New York Yankees, uh, Jose Quintana going to the St. Louis Cardinals, which is just so fucking on brand in so many ways I can't even begin to explain to you. But the big deal still was the hater deal. I think Montas matters because it's the Yankees, right? But hater leaving the Milwaukee Brewers is something that has been talked about for a long time, and it finally happened. I thought it was going to happen this winter. The Brewers decided to pull the ripcord a little bit early. So I would imagine there's a lot of questions that you guys are having, a lot of things that you're wondering about, and maybe you're not in the day-to-day with the Brewers. Um, Maybe you're just kind of one of those people who's a little more casual about it, um, who is a little more on, let's say, every other day or maybe every other week. I don't know, whatever. Or, hey, the Brewers are on, I'm at the bar, I'm watching it. Whatever it may be. I'm here to help you. And for even our diehards who might not be a fan of this deal. I can tell you my co-host Mitch is not a one, um, and I'll let him 
give his full other side of the coin here tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. I felt like it'd be better to bring Mitch on when we had all the deals in front of us. So I'm not trying to trample over because the Bush and Hater stuff, I'll try to be actually a little bit more limited on Bush given the fact that Mitch and I are talking tomorrow. But I do think that it's important to hear both sides of the story. Let's start with some of the questions. First of all, was this bluntly high level? Was this a good move for the Brewers? The answer is TBD. We do not know. And I know that sucks. In today's society, we want to have an instant take. We wanted to say that this is a W trade, as some of the kids said on TikTok, or that the Brewers took an L, or that the Brewers got fleeced. We we have no fucking idea, guys. All right? We have no idea if this trade is going to pan out for the Brewers or not. And the Milwaukee Brewers, we will have that answer maybe at the end of this year. Or we will have this answer at the middle of next year and the Brewers are still successful and they got something for Josh Hader. Remember, there were a lot of people that talked about dealing Josh Hader in the early part of this uh, month. Remember, there were media conversations, radio topics every day talking about wanting to trade Josh Hader. And then they trade Josh Hader and everyone's like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Wait, 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 why? Wait, what did you do? which is so Milwaukee sports fans it hurts, right? They they are never satisfied with what they have. Everybody wants Mark Ananasio to sell a team because this is quote-unquote a cheap move. At the end of the day, this was a good move by the Brewers for the simple fact that they are going to get players back for Josh Hader and they are not going to lose him for nothing. And even though it's just $5 million, $16 million for a reliever next season is a lot of fucking money for a reliever, okay? No matter who, what team you're on, it is a lot of money. Look at what the Yankees are paying Clay Holmes. Look at what you know the Dodgers are paying some of their relievers, Caleb Ferguson, for example. I mean, only a few are getting those big deals, right? It's the Craig Kimbrels. It's the Kenley Jansons. It is your Edwin Diaz. Actually, I don't even know if Edwin Diaz makes a lot of money. But I, I would just assume he would, right? Because he's a great reliever. But what you have to understand is that relievers are easily the biggest head cases in maybe all of sports. And that relievers can absolutely lose it, all right? And there is no chance that the value of Josh Hader would have been the same in December that it is right now. So then another question. What happens if Josh Hader continued to struggle this year with the Brewers? Let's just say the Brewers specifically. Exclude anything with the Padres. I think it would have led to a situation where the Brewers would have had to keep him. The Brewers would have then had to hope that he'd be a rental for a team in July and that they would hope to get something. The package would be probably half of what the Brewers got today. All right. Um, and people would be very critical of the Brewers. That's the funny thing. All these other people that are hand-wringing and that are saying this was a loser move and all this other bullshit. These would be the same fuckers that would have a line about how the Brewers should have got out when they had a chance. They should have traded a hater at his peak. All this other bullshit. So that's, that's the hilarious thing to me. That's the thing that, again, you want your cake and eating it too. And I feel like that is a theme of Brewer fandom. Like, I think Brewer fans cannot be satisfied what they have on their table, right? They always are asking for more. And I think it's partly because baseball is a sport where you see teams who always seem to fill up their plate, who always seem to never have any meat on the bone. 
Houston Astros, great example. They made 100 moves today, right? Houston Astros look like the best team in the AL, and hell, they look like the best team in all of baseball right now. The Yankees are making sure, and then they had had some criticism in the past, but they're making sure they're not leaving hunger. Also, the Atlanta Braves are making moves, not making sure, again, they aren't left hungry. There will be more moves made, and baseball allows for the large markets to have a ton of success because they have a ton of money to spend on international guys who become top prospects, and they, and it's not just that, but they have so many, the resources, everything else. There is a competitive balance issue in baseball, and more and more we're seeing the larger markets sort of get outshined by the small markets. The Kansas City Royals were the last small market to win a title, and that was in 2015. It's been seven years since a small market team has won the World Series. The Rays were the last team to get there, but you could argue that that was a Mickey Mouse year in 2020, which I really do throw out the window. Honest, honest to God, I, I can't. We talk about, you know, the Brewers doing this deal and it could have, their value could have crashed. And what the Brewers saw was an opportunity to cash out. And they pushed their chips in and said, you know what, we're done. We fold. We are going, instead of going all in, we are going to take, actually, opposite. They're going to take their chips. You know, I should know this better as a gambler. You take your chips and we're going to go to the window. And they went to the window and they traded with the San Diego Padres who have wanted Josh Hader for a very long time. Are these prospects going, or are these players going to make an impact for the Brewers this year? Yes, and yes, yes, and maybe. So you have Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers to me is really interesting, right? Taylor Rogers has a similar ERA to Josh Hader. He had a similar sort of falling off the map in the last month and a half where he's been a complete gas can. Really, what's ironic is what broke Taylor Rogers was the Jace Peterson uh, game winning three run double that sort of sent him into a tailspin. He has not been the same since then. But he has an FIP, uh, which is the fielding independence, where basically it takes out a lot of the look in baseball. It's similar to Babbitt. Um, I don't know the difference. I'm not that great with advanced analytics. Like I tell you, we don't do a ton of analytics here. We know that we are not an analytic uh, fan base, which is okay. It's totally fine. But it fits a great stat because it it cuts through a lot of the bullshit that ERA doesn't. And Rogers' FIP is two runs lower. It's 235. There is a chance that Rogers regresses in a positive way and becomes the pitcher that he was for the first part of the year. And that he was all, he's also been doing some weird stuff with his mechanics. And the Brewers, obviously, with the way their pitching staff or their pitching coaching staff works, I have all the confidence in the world that they're going to fix Rodgers, right? Then you have Dallas and Lament. Now, Dallas and Lament has had a ton of arm issues. Um, it has not been good for Dallas. And he's been all over the place with the with the San Diego Padres. Um, they have mismanaged him. And they've, it's really par for the course when it comes to the Padres and their pitching, their pitching prospects. Ryan Weathers is another guy that I feel like should be a lot better. And I feel like should be on a starting rotation. And the Padres have mismanaged that. Mackenzie Gore stuff. Mackenzie Gore now has an elbow injury. Still might get dealt in the Soto deal. But Mackenzie Gore is another guy who has a lot of stuff where he he should be starting or he should be performing at a much higher level 
than what he is out of the bullpen, and he has just not been that guy. So now Chris Hook gets a chance to work with Lament. Lament will obviously have the opportunity to go to the pitching lab in Arizona, not this year, but in year in the offseason in years to come. And Lament might be a bullpen guy for the Brewers now. Maybe a guy you could potentially throw in there on a spot start if you need to. But I know that the Brewers are going to work with him. And the Brewers are going to try to figure out what makes the most sense and put him in low leverage innings and get him comfortable. And it adds more to that middle relief. Again, the Brewers to me, and we haven't even talked about Matt Bush yet, but the Brewers have gotten better in their middle relief. All right? They just have. Um, with Lament, that gives them a guy who can go in the fifth or sixth inning. You have Rodgers, who if you don't want him in high leverage stuff yet, you want him to get him right. Another guy that could be potential a sixth or seventh inning guy. So I really love that about what the Brewers have here with Lament. Asturi Ruiz, is he a guy that could be here this year? Maybe. I mean, Asturi's having an incredible uh, single, triple, double A and triple A season. He's been hitting over 300. He has 13 home runs. He has a ton of power. He doesn't hit the ball that hard. So even though he's like showing the power this year, it's kind of a little bit Mickey Mouse. It's a little bit Fugazi. Um, He is fast as fuck. He's one of the fastest guys, I think, in the minor leagues. And he's a guy to me, I see that as a potential bench option for the Brewers in the postseason. I find it very interesting that you also have Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelich also, and Widmer all going to AAA. Um, all three are going there on top of Ruiz. And we'll get to that in a second because I, I think there's a question worth asking. Um, and Ruiz, to me, could, could be up earlier than we think. I think Jonathan Davis has had actually an impressive month. I don't hate the idea of using Tyrone and Davis interchangeably, have a state, having Davis in there for defense. Ruiz, to me, with the speed he has, is that type of guy that we've talked about in past postseasons where, like, the Brewers do not add guys that can give you potential depth in the postseason of little things that you need. You know what's something that's great? A guy with Ruiz's quickness that you can bring off the bench. That's why Quentin Barry, Brewers first base coach, has been with 100 teams or was with 100 teams before retiring, and he get always signed on a postseason roster. Because the speed was incredible. That's what you have with Ruiz. And he can play a little bit of defense. I really like that part of it. And you also have Gosser, uh, Robert Gosser, who is a single A guy. There's, you know, to me, that is a lot. There's a lot left there. Um, I, I don't think we need to go deep on Robert Gasser because who knows, right? Robert Gasser could be somebody. He also could be just, just a dude. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time breaking down the the Robert Gasser tape. But who knows? Um, he could be could be funny looking back at this and saying, yeah, I blew this guy off. It's, it's not that I'm blowing him off. It's just as the Brewers are, you want to keep winning baseball games. And you kind of want to keep looking at that. And so I think that the Brewers are in a good position, uh, even without Josh Hader. Will this ruin the Brewers team chemistry? It already did. Like that's... That's the thing that I think a lot of people will miss. We'll see this on local radio tomorrow. This will be a local radio topic. They'll be like, what's the Brewers team chemistry going to be like after they traded Josh Hader? Because it's so fucking easy, right? Guys, it was three weeks ago. Like, watch those games. Like, really, 
an exercise for all of us. And again, if your boy did this full time and had the opportunity, you know what I'm doing? I am crushing the tape from the Pirate series. I'm looking also at the I'm looking at the Pirate series from Miller Park. I'm looking at the Cubs series before that, and I'm looking at the Twins and Giants series. I'm watching all four of those, okay? And I'm watching those, and I think you see a lifeless baseball team. Remember how it didn't look like the Brewers were having any fun? Remember how it didn't look like the Brewers were really all that focused? And we were like, what the fuck's wrong with this team? And we said there is a bigger problem, and there is a story that needs to be written. We did a whole podcast on this, I think, Monday of the All-Star break. So home run derby. So it's a couple weeks ago. You can go find it. This was it. Bob Nightingale, not a huge Bob Nightingale fan. He's reported a lot of inaccurate things in the past. But Bob Nightingale has been on top of this. I have to give him credit. All right. That's me being a man. Giving credit where credit's due to a guy I don't really like. But I, ha- I have to do that. So I will. Bob said that they, the Brewers basically made Hater Narvaez, Colton Long available three weeks ago. And they started to listen on stuff. So, of course, these guys got wind. And, of course, it fucked up the clubhouse a little bit. Now there were the players-only meeting with the hitting coaches. I don't know when that took place. I don't know if that players-only meeting, if they said it's the hitting coaches only, or it was with everybody, and said basically, here's our intention. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's how we how we are going forward with it. Because whatever is done, it's galvanized the team. So even though Hater is gone, I'm not ready to be worried about the Brewers. Now, if they go two and four against the Pirates and Reds, two teams who will not have the same rosters that they do today. Reds don't have Luis Castillo. Reds are probably not going to have Tyler Molly. The Reds might not have Brandon Jury. So, like, they have three of their guys. They don't have Tommy Pham. He already got traded. So, like, they already have two guys missing. They should have more missing before the end of this deadline's over. The Pirates have already lost Jose Quintana. They'll probably maybe lose... Oh, they and Stratton, the reliever. Um, I don't think they'll lose Derek Reynolds or Bednar. Um, so, maybe the Pirates are a little friskier than the Reds. But, like, there is no excuse to not go 4-2 and two this week, right? None. There really isn't. And you have a big week upcoming, so, like, take advantage of this, all right? And if they don't, and they look kind of that lifeless look of the early July, then, yeah, we have to wonder if it's it, it kind of reverted back, if they regressed. If they said, well, maybe we're not going to do it. Maybe we would. And then that could have been the attitude. So now I'm kind of arguing myself a little bit, but... I do, I guess there's a wonder, there can be a wonder of were they trying to galvanize and make one more run and make an impression on management and say, do not trade these guys. Please do not trade these guys. I don't know. I think that's a story left to be untold. Or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's a business. Everybody knows it. And the Brewers operate this way. Is it smart for the Brewers to work like the Rays? So this is a question, obviously, because the Brewers are a small market team and the Brewers have to do things a little bit differently, like we talked about. You look at the teams that are in the wildcard hunt and and division, really it comes down to the Twins, comes down to the Brewers, Tampa Bay Rays, and that's it. All right? Every other is a big market. And if you say San Diego Charlie is not a big market, they have the fifth highest payroll in all fucking baseball. They're by trade a big market, okay? So how do the Brewers compete 
how can the Brewers compete with that? How do they battle back against that? They try to be like the Rays, who have never been shy to make moves to help their team, not only for the present, but also for the future. It's worked out for the Rays and resulted into two World Series appearances. For the Brewers, they have not been able to get there. The Brewers nearly got there in 2018. I think if the Brewers had got there in 2018, I think a lot less fans would care. I, I really do. And you have the Astros cheating scandal that happened then. So I, I think there would be a lot less, maybe, I wouldn't say sympathy, but it would just be, I think there'd be a lot more understanding. I think there is a lot of will believe it when I see it. The Brewers are right under league average. The Twins are slightly higher than the Brewers. So if you want to use the Twins as a proxy and see what the Twins do, they're going to probably get some pitching tomorrow. Uh, but that. I, that can be a very good proxy, right? The Mariners are actually less than the Brewers, but they have an insane GM in Jerry DiPietro who will make moves with absolutely everybody. The Rays are 24th, um, which is five spots below what the Milwaukee Brewers are. And the Cleveland Guardians, who are right in the mix, right? They are 27th in all of baseball. So they don't really have a good payroll. But then if we go to the top, and I, I just, I want you guys to do this exercise with me to understand Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, Phillies, Padres, we just mentioned, Red Sox out of the playoff on, White Sox out of the playoff on, Angels out of the playoff on, Astros, Braves, Blue Jays, Cardinals. So you look at that top 12 and 10 out of the 12 teams are not only in big Big markets. San Diego is the exclusion. But San Diego, California, it's a place people want to play. You can't deny that. You can't take it away from it. But 10 out of those 12 are in the playoff hunt, and they have very good farm systems. I think if we ran a correlation with some of their farm systems, it's pretty fucking good. That's where the Brewers are at a significant disadvantage. And I, I look, I understand. You're probably yelling at me through your car, through your headphones, whatever it may be, and saying, Charlie, you are carrying the water for them. I'm not carrying the water for them. I am just laying it out for you in an easy way to understand, okay? All right? Like, we have to understand this a lot better than what we do because it just is not necessarily something that is easy to comprehend, okay? Just for example, just work with me here. Oh, uh, never mind. I was going to look at something on Track and I need a premium, and I'm not going to pay for that, so never mind. Well, I was going to do an example with Kansas City and their payroll when they went to the World Series, where that was at, just for reference, right? People understand that Brewers have a lot going for them at the back of their bullpen. They have Devin Williams. They have Brad Boxberger. They have Taylor Rogers. They now have Matt Bush. They have a lot of guys who can potentially give you innings in the late games. And the Brewers are taking an approach of the sum of all parts. Devin Williams has been the better pitcher of over Josh Hader this year. And it's not really close. Now, when Hader wasn't struggling, I would say it was neck and neck. But Devin Williams has been electric and has continued to be electric. And you could make a case that Devin Williams probably deserved to be the closer at this point. Josh Hader didn't look right on, on Friday, right? He We watched him in Fenway in his last save, coincidentally enough, which now I have an ominous record of having Hader and Fielder as my as guys I've seen their last games as Brewers, which is 
kind of cool in a weird way, but kind of not um, in, in another in an equally uh, weird way. But Devin Williams has been that guy. He's been that dude. I know the walks get scary, especially in a closer position, but I trust Devin Williams. The Brewers trust Devin Williams, and they know Devin Williams is up next. He has next, now he has to prove it. And if it doesn't work out, there are other guys waiting in the wings, ready to go. And maybe this will bring the Brewers closer. Maybe there's a deal looming. Remember, they just brought up Mitchell, Weidmer, and Freelich. All right, they're three outfield prospects. They have Asturias, who's also an outfield prospect, in Nashville. Will they play Ruiz in the infield where he's played a little bit? Maybe. And so maybe they mitigate some of that and figure it out. Mark Mathias, who is, I think, in AAA right now, just got traded in the Matt Bush deal. So, like, there is a potential that maybe you just have Ruiz play the infield and it's fine. You figure it out. Or there's another move coming and Ruiz or Freelich or Mitchell, I hope not either, or Weidmer, honestly, I'd rather have Ruiz be part of that deal than those three guys. But maybe that there is a deal coming. Maybe a, there is another deal on the precipice. David Stern says there's really no room in the lineup. Um, I know that was not anything Brewer fans wanted to hear. I think that David Stearns likes to be coy, right? Like I, I've seen David Stern say something that is complete bullshit one day and trade for something the next day, okay? They're looking for stuff that will lengthen their lineup. They're looking for potential potential pieces that will help that lineup. But I do think the Brewers are going to still be active. I think they're still going to look for things. I do think they're going to get some sort of player offensively, but I don't know if it's going to be at a Lariano or Josh Bell level. And I know that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. But I would also say, let's see what the packages look like for Lariano. Let's see what the packages look like for Bell. And let's hope to God that Juan Soto does not become a St. Louis Cardinal. As for Josh Hader, uh, the memories have been great. It's been so fun to watch Josh Hader play, play baseball. Um, he's, he's been absolutely electric. Best closer I've seen um, in my time as a Brewer fan. Uh, and it's going to be a shame to miss him. And I knew that this day was going to come sooner rather than later. I started to make peace with it. I'm really glad I never did this thing about Josh Hader being a unicorn. Uh, and maybe the Brewers should actually pay him. Because in retrospect, I think that wasn't the case. You never pay relievers. And sometimes you don't trade a huge package for them. We'll see what happens. We'll see if the Brewers in San Diego meet in the postseason. Or if the Brewers are ended up victorious when it comes to this trade this year and years to come. All right, let's talk about Matt Bush becoming a Milwaukee Brewer. Matt Bush comes over from the Milwaukee Brewer, or from the Texas Rangers, excuse me, for Mark Mathias as well as Antoine Kelly. Uh, Matt Bush is an electric reliever. He's a guy who has great stuff. He's a guy who can be a back end of the bullpen type of guy. He's closed some games for the Rangers. He's also been an opener. He's been a middle reliever. He does what the team asks him to do. He's an old guy, 36 years old, but he had multiple years removed because he was in prison, which we'll talk about here in a second, um, as well as he was a shortstop, uh, originally now converted into a reliever. It's an incredible story. Um, it's a story of redemption, which I do want to touch on here at the back end. But let's talk about Matt Bush, the player. And Matt Bush can add to this Brewers relief staff. And the Brewers desperately 
needed somebody like this. I think you have to manage the workload of Brad Boxberger first and foremost. I think Brad Boxberger sometimes gets too much work. I think he's out there far too often. I think they council just uses him as an old reliable, but Brad Boxberger obviously as an older pitcher um, needs some time, right? He's not a guy that should be out there every game. I think they need to manage him a little bit better. Um, I think you can rotate guys like now Matt Bush, occasionally Trevor Gott, right? I Gustav is hit or miss for me, and I don't know if Gustav's even going to be on the team at this point. But I do think getting a guy like Matt Bush really helps solidify that sixth and seventh inning. That has been an occasional trouble spot for the Brewers when Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, or the other pitchers cannot go the full seven and carry it to what was Williams and Hayter, but will likely now be Boxberger and Williams or Rogers and Williams or Rogers, uh, Boxberger, you know, whatever, whatever combination it may be, right? But now you have Matt Bush on top of that, okay? So it seems like the Brewers are getting stronger. And I realize that, yeah, losing Josh Hader sucks, okay? Um, we just did fucking, you know, 26, 27 minutes on it, all right? But at the same time, what I think the Brewers are trying to do is they're basically trying to get a bullpen that's a little bit better to kind of mitigate the loss of Josh Hader. And I think they're succeeding so far. Right now, I, I wouldn't stop. Like, I would look at this and say, all right, is there any more relievers that we can get at a low price that we can kind of take a swing at? All right, great. Because I what I've noticed, at least from this team, is like, yeah, the offense has been great in the second half, but there's been a lot of holes with the pitching staff. Like, Colby Milner started to regress a little bit. I don't know if he's overworked, if maybe he just needs like a week off, you know, five days off just to kind of work it out. Jury's still out on Jake McGee. We haven't seen a ton of Jake McGee just yet, I would imagine. Part of that is he's working with Chris Hook and he's working with the other guys. Jake McGee, another guy who has closed games before. So now to take a step back here, the Brewers have five guys in their bullpen who have closed games before. McGee, Bush, Boxberger, Williams, and Rodgers. That's fucking good. Like that, how many teams have that right now? So in a weird way, are the Brewers setting themselves up that it's going to be Williams, but if Williams struggles, it will be next man up, and it's not necessarily even closer by committee? Or does it allow Craig Council, who loves to push and pull different options, he, I don't think he's done it as much as he used to. I think he's kind of set, been more settled in, but it kind of allows him to play the matchups, to say, all right, it's the seventh inning. We need three outs against the middle of the order. We're going to put Devin Williams in the game because that's where we need Devin Williams. And then the eighth inning, we'll use Boxberger, and then in ninth, we'll use Bush. Okay? Or something along those lines. It's very possible. It's very much on the table, I think, for the Brewers. I did give up Antoine Kelly. Antoine Kelly was in the Futures game. I was pretty surprised by that. I didn't think Antoine Kelly was going to be a guy on the table. But you then read that there he's a Rule 5 pick. And the fact is the Brewers likely couldn't have kept him um, given just where he is in the structure. So they wanted to get something for him. I guess Tristan Lutz, another top Brewer prospect, is in the same boat. So Lutz is probably going to be on the move. If the Brewers do make another deal, I would imagine if Lariano was the guy they traded for, Josh Bell, that Lutz would be there, okay? So 
I would imagine that the Brewers are doing the Kelly deal because they have no interest in figuring out a way to basically protect him from Rule 5. And Kelly would get picked. He's in the Futures game. He's a 16th prospect overall. He's had some wild control issues. Brewers have obviously fixed it. They've obviously made it work. Um, But there are still some things lingering with Kelly where you wonder if this guy is going to reach a potential of a second or third starter. The Brewers have done pretty well when it comes to trading their pitching prospects. Look at Cody Medeiros. Remember Cody Medeiros, top pick, right? Cody Medeiros was traded for Anthony Swarzak. I was reminded of that on Reddit today. I was like, holy fuck. Like, I didn't realize that happened. It was the same sort of Rule 5 thing with Medeiros, and they traded him away. Worked out, okay? Uh, who else? Would? They, there are a couple other good names on there who I'm like, oh, yeah, they traded that guy. I mean, they got rid of Cody Pons for, I forget who it was. It was... It was on Pittsburgh. Ponds pitched a little bit for for them. But again, it wasn't much, okay? Like, the Brewers have been okay in terms of trading pitching prospects. Jake Odorizzi, probably the worst example of that. Odorizzi's had a great career, gets moved again, going from the Astros to the Braves. Um, but Odorizzi's not maybe where he, was, where he was used to be, but he did have some really successful years, and that's probably the one guy that the Brewers... If you're saying, do they regret moving? Maybe, right? Or is he could have definitely been a key player for the Brewers kind of moving forward as they were kind of in those lean years. But maybe he would have been dealt anyways. Maybe that wouldn't have even mattered. So I'm not that worried about Kelly. I'm a little surprised for a 36-year-old reliever. I would imagine it is two reasons. Number one, they think that Bush can pitch longer than the next year. Um, that he can go for a while, that because he's throwing more off-speed stuff and he had a Tommy John injury uh, a couple years ago, that Matt Bush is going to be all right. And that Matt Bush should be someone that you're going to get the optimal control out of. Number two, there aren't a ton of great relievers in this you know, trade deadline stuff. I think the Yankees had to give up a pretty big prospect for Scott Efers, uh, who was on the Cubs, now on the Yankees, right? David Robinson's going to get a big haul, and he's the really the only closer that's available. So if you want relief pitchers, they're coming at a premium, and that's probably why they had to give up Cali. Now for Matt Bush's legal troubles, okay? Um, it's well documented. Um, you can look it up on Wikipedia. It is a long, long, long Wikipedia, all right? Like this is not a Wikipedia that you can just sort of breeze through. So Matt Bush has obviously had some demons in his life. Matt Bush has went to prison. The reason why he wears number 51 is because that was the month, the months he was supposed to serve in prison. He ended up serving 39 and that was in a halfway house. And at that halfway house, he met a scout who was basically the guy who helped Josh Hamilton. And he started to revive Matt Bush's career as a pitcher. And he started out as a shortstop. For years, Matt Bush was the epitome of an asshole athlete who took his prominence for granted. He did a lot of terrible things. You cannot deny that, okay? You, you cannot escape from that. Matt Bush, did, you know, he was in jail. He spent like those 39 days because he permanently injured a motorcyclist who if he did not have a helmet on, he would have died. Matt Bush would not be a baseball player. The Brewers would not know who Matt Bush was and I'm sure they would, but you know you get what I'm saying. He'd be in jail. Think you're a manslaughter. He also assaulted two lacrosse players in a high school party lot. He also threw a baseball at a woman. 
He, there was a nightclub assault shortly after the draft. Matt Bush was a terrible person. But what's great about humanity, what's great about our lives, what's great about what God gives us, and God gives us the ability to bounce back and to redeem. And you can say, well, that's not God. You can say that's, that's anything else, right? Whatever. But if you're a Christian believing person, you're going to say that there's, there's some God's work, some God's helping you. It doesn't have to be our God, right? It could be Buddha. It could be Allah. It doesn't matter, right? It could be any of them. But they're helping. They're working. And it's been a complete redemption for Matt Bush. Matt Bush got himself sober. Matt Bush has a wife. He has a kid. He regularly attends AA meetings. Matt Bush knows what he did. And Matt Bush talks about prison like someone who never wants to go back. And I do worry about Milwaukee because it's a city that's full of booze. It's a city where it's really easy to fall back in and not a place that I would recommend for recovering alcoholics. But at the same time, I do believe that Matt Bush has his life turned around. The Brewers feel like he does too. And I understand if people don't want to give a guy a second chance. But if you read the story from Levi Weaver about the comeback it's hard not to root for Matt Bush. It's hard not to see a guy who understood what rock bottom was and got himself right out of it. My dad, um, when I had a friend going through something a long time ago, and I call my dad, and I try hard not to cry in front of my dad. I'm a pretty emotional dude, and I'm a little bit of a pussy. Um, and I, I'm, I get emotional talking about this because I, I still remember, but I called him because I had a friend struggling, and I... I just said to him, I said, what do I do? Like, I just want to help. Like, I, it's all I want to do. Just let me help. How, like, how do I help? Like, how have you done, dealt with this before? And my dad said, Charlie, it's really comes down to two things. It's either you, you work with them and they get the help they need and that they will join you, whatever it may be, whether it's a meeting, whether it's therapy, however it may be, you can help be that person that gets them there. But he's like, more times than not, they have to hit rock bottom first before they realize what they did. And some, and he didn't say this, so I'm paraphrasing, but rock bottom is different for a lot of people. And Matt Bush's rock bottom was the fucking lowest of low, all right? And so I just look at this and say, if you can't give this guy a chance, even with what he did, and I'm not excusing it, I just don't, I don't know. And like have some compassion, right? Like this isn't a guy who continually was an asshole, doesn't, you know, there are worse, worse, worse players in sports that you could point to. Hell, look at the guy who's quarterback in the Cleveland Browns. Just just a thought, all right? I don't think that guy's remorseful. Matt Bush is remorseful. He knows what he did, all right? And so I don't think we need to keep punishing him. And I think that you can learn to accept. And if you can't, that's on you. And you gotta get better. All right. So let's let's just all let's just all kind of come together on that. That's just the thought I will leave you with. Freddie Peralta, um, real quick. I apologize for getting a little bit on the soapbox. I said I was gonna talk about fun stuff. I will try to do that very quick because we're already at forty minutes in this podcast. Freddie Peralta coming back to the Brewers is a major lift. I thought Freddie Peralta would be back by the middle of August. Um, part of the reason why the Ethan Small thing happened, as I said 
on our view last week, Tap the Kick Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. I, I think that Freddie Peralta at this point is another bullpen arm. I didn't mention him when we were talking about how the Brewers' bullpen is super deep. All of a sudden, it looks really good right now. I think Freddie Peralta could be a bullpen guy. I could see a situation where Matt Bush, who we just mentioned, uh, he's been used as an opener for the Rangers a couple times. I could see them using Matt Bush as a first inning, second inning guy, and then going to Freddie Peralta and letting Freddie, Freddie throw from the third inning to the seventh inning. I could easily see that being a situation until he's stretched out. I think the goal for Freddie this August is to get Freddie to a point where he's in the starting rotation. Ideally, I'd love to have Freddie Peralta for the Dodgers series, at least one of them. But I think best case scenario would be the week of the 15th. I think realistic case would be the week of the 22nd, which also is a Dodger series, or even the week of the 29th, maybe even the most, like, not ideal, but like the one that you should just assume if you had to bet, place your bets, right? So I think you're going to see a lot, not necessarily a lot of Freddie Peralta, but I, I think you're going to see Freddie have an impact. I don't think he should be a bullpen guy. I think the Brewers have invested in this bullpen now with Lament, with Rogers, with Bush. So I don't really think there is a need to have Freddie Peralta in the bullpen. I saw someone kind of joke around that he should be the closer, and I was like, yeah. Freddie, the guy who gives up runs in the first inning, like I, that's not a guy I want close baseball games. Um, so I, I don't think that will be Freddie's role, um, but I think you're going to see Freddie in different kind of action. Um, I think that's obviously besides the hater news, like that's the big headline. What are the Brewers going to do with Freddie Peralta? I think that's a interesting subplot sort of going forward. And, you know, there will be areas of opportunity, of course, right? I, I mean, Craig Council as discussed, loves to tweak and loves to kind of maneuver things around as as you would. So if you look at it, uh, Corbin Burns obviously going tomorrow, so we're not going to see we're not going to see Freddie Peralta on Tuesday. So that will be it's Burns Day, which is always a good one. Hopefully, Burns I would say Burns had a bad start against uh, the Twins, but he had one that one bad inning. So hopefully that there's none of that. You have Brandon Woodruff uh, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and then you have Eric Lauer on Friday. But interesting enough, the spot for the Saturday game after Aaron Ashby, and right now it's Tyler Molly uh, for the Cincinnati Reds, probably won't be um, by tomorrow, um, is open. So that Saturday game seems like where the Friday Peralta debut will happen. Um, what that looks like, we don't know. Um, but it'll either I would assume it's either Bush. For uh, to me, that makes the most sense, right? And especially because Bush has some comfort doing it. Brett Suter, obviously, another option for them. They could do that. That sidebar um, that would be really funny. Not funny. I don't want to see anyone lose their job. But if Brent Suter got cut, oh my god, I think the fan base would just hate that. I'm like, I'm thinking of like what would end up being even worst case scenario. I think Brett Suter leader would be pretty goddamn for the Brewer fan base. But yes, uh, I think that's where you'll see Peralta uh, come in. Would be that Saturday, and I, to me, I'm in more in favor of the opener um, than having Freddie pitch the first four innings, and then it's like, all right, we'll go to the bullpen the rest of the way. I think if everything works out and. Bush is able to give you one or two, and then Peralta can pitch till the fifth or sixth inning. That kind of bridges your gap, and that kind of makes sure that then you're set up for success the rest of the way, and it doesn't kill your bullpen. 
the the counter, I guess, to that is that the Brewers have off both Monday as well as uh, Thursday, so they at least have a little bit of an opportunity to not necessarily be knee deep in baseball um, during that time. So that's at, that's at least good. They get a little bit of breathing room. That helps for sure. All right, rapid fire, really quick on my other stuff because I'm certainly it's a long one, um, and we're gonna have a long one tomorrow talking about similar stuff. Um, I will. The angle will be a little bit different. I do want to hear Mitch. I'm going to try my best not to choke him through a Zoom screen about his hater takes, but I will I will do my best. And I, I would imagine that sometimes with old Mitchell, uh, he needs a day, and then he's feeling good a little bit better about it. But anyways, I made a great bet. Um, I bet our good friend Murph, on his badger party no less, that Aaron Judge would hit more than 61 and a half home runs. It was simple math. It was middle. It was before Judge had then hit two more, or at least he hit one more. Then he had another today. He's at forty three now, on August twenty on August second. I mean, if I lose this bet, I'm gonna be furious. I really am. Like, I almost want to kind of hope Murph doubles doubles down on it and says, "Hey, I'll put it up to sixty six. I'll add an extra ten dollars if he gets sixty six. You'll take ten off." I might do it. No, nah, I probably won't because, um, I look, I just want to cash in. It wasn't a huge bet or anything like that, but still a fun one at that and one that I'm very proud of. And when you make a smart bet, it feels good. Um, now, granted, I had, a bad, I had a bad day of betting baseball, so, you know, water finds its levels, of course. Um, you know, just another day uh, where money line, you know, top money line dogs fuck you. Shout out to the White Sox. Shout out to the Houston Astros. Well, well, oh yeah, I'm not betting the Padres. That was mistakes all, all around. Anyways, last thing. Um, what's up with all these old guys in Milwaukee popping off their tops? Like there are a lot of tarps off in Milwaukee from old guys. I have this one old guy who's around my neighborhood. Uh, he's old. Like he's definitely like 75, uh, khakis, and just has a tarp off all the time. Like it's not like something that he... He does, when it's really hot, it's like the shirt is off. Like, maybe he's Milverine's dad. I don't know. That would be the thing that would make the most sense. Like, hello, son, I'm Milverine's dad. Guy doesn't really talk too much. Uh, I saw him walking my dog. I, I didn't stop to ask him, like, hey, buddy, why is your shirt off all the time? Like, I just, I don't get it, okay? And I saw another guy today that was just having his shirt off. It's like, I appreciate that guys want to take their shirts off. But at the end of the day, like, if you have a gross body, like, we don't want to see it, all right? Like, I, I've i had moments in my life where I want to take my shirt off too, all right? And it's just, it's a little bit intense. Like, no one's asking for that on a random street corner, like, oh, that guy's shirtless. You're at a beach, sure, whatever. Even if you have a gross body, like, pop your top. I don't care. I, I've had moments in my life where I was huge and I still had my... Still didn't care. And then I saw a picture of it and I was like, okay, I have to lose weight. And that, you know, best recipe. But if you're just walking around the fucking streets of Milwaukee, unless you're the Milverine, I don't want your shirt off. I really don't. I just think it's gross. And it's disrespectful to the opposite sex. They can't have their tops off. If they had their tops off, you'd have dudes barking at them like dogs. Cat calling. You can't have that. No one wants that. That's, see, Classic double standard. All right. I got to go. Because if I keep talking, I'll get myself in trouble. As it usually does. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow.
tomorrow. Uh, it's having the keg. All our trade deadline reactions. Um, we'll be we'll have them. We'll have our takes ready. Um, who knows? We'll see if the Brewers make any more moves. Um, if they do, great. That helps our show. If they don't, that's okay. We'll figure it out. There, where there's a will, there's a way. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, do all that fun stuff. Share. Tell your friends about us. Really appreciate it. And follow us on social media. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good Tuesday. We're back tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday, T. Birthday shout. She doesn't listen to the pod. So it's, it makes it here at the end. All right. See you. Bye.